All right, everybody. Welcome back to another Angler's Happy Hour podcast. I can't believe it's been exactly two weeks since our last episode. It's amazing. <laughs> um, that just seemed to fly by, but uh, <laughs> obviously I'm a little bit off there. So appreciate you guys hanging in and uh, tuning in today. We've got a Thanksgiving morning episode for you. We uh, we're up early. It's uh, Thanksgiving Thursday, and um, things are beautiful here in Arizona. Um, be curious to see what you guys have planned for your day. But want to say Happy Thanksgiving to all the listeners. And um, yeah, let's start with you guys. We're we'll, we're gonna go in order here for what I see on my screen. So Rob, what uh, what's up with you lately, and what are you doing today, man? Uh. Today, we're getting together with all the families. Um, we're all going to my in-laws, uh, my parents, and uh, family members that live here also. So we all meet up, which is pretty cool. So nice. we're not bouncing around. We just go to one place and uh, should be good. So yeah, it's uh, beautiful weather here, finally. Um, we always talk about weather, but I guess that's because I'm over 50, but... I'm all into the weather too, man. I'm 35 (laughs) and I'm obsessed with the weather. Oh, you're so screwed when you get old. That's all you'll talk about. (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, I'm like, sadly, and I'm kind of in the mode of where I was on the podcast in what, late 2020, all the way through 21, where I was remodeling the house. I'm on the second phase now where I'm doing a laundry room addition and building a uh, boat garage. um, I don't know, like workshop, man cave, whatever you want to call it. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Well, that'll be cool. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to see the finished product there. And, uh, you know, that thing is going to be, it's going to be sweet, right? Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's going to allow us to stay in this house. I mean, we, um, not that we wouldn't otherwise, but it makes it a lot easier back in the boat in. Um, just, yeah, it's, uh, we're going to be able to, we're, we're gaining so much storage. It's going to be unbelievable. So that's pretty nice. stoked about that. Yeah. So like, as of right now to get your boat in the garage, you've got to do kind of a, a, a crazy hairpin turn as you're backing it into yep. your driveway and get it into your garage at a specific angle. Right. Yeah. And I'd like, excuse me when we purchased this house i like literally stressed out about it i was looking at um one of those little motorized backing up machines that you use for a trailer in a really tight spot and uh the first time i backed it in i got it with the truck and i was like holy cow but some days i'll get it in one shot some days it takes me you know multiple little turns but um i've gotten pretty good at it the problem is with a tandem axle trailer you literally destroy tires. Like it's just grinding mm. on my driveway. Um, and on the one side, the tires were literally be wore out. I think the, however it works, the back one would be wore out on the inside and the front one or vice versa, but uh, can't be good for my axles. At do all. you hear the, do you hear the trailer just popping as you turn popping, it? clicking? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, not pretty, not pretty at all. So I think that'll, um that'll definitely make my trailer last a little longer so yeah that's cool you're already on trailer number two on this boat so <laughs> number looks, three uh, number trailer three number three yes yes first one was i'm sure if we have listeners that are purchased a boat in what mid 2000s like probably six to ten somewhere in there with the tube g2 
channel, not the C channel trailer made with like, I don't know. It, it was like the thickness of a pop can. <laughs> and my first trailer was like the really sweet one with the fiberglass fenders and all that stuff. And I started noticing rust and it literally fell apart. And I cut it into four foot chunks with a sawzall in my garage when I was done with it. That's how <laughs> it was a pile of rust. That was all that was left. That thing was carrying around a, a you know, a, a multi thousand pound boat. Yeah. yeah, which is absolutely frightening, right? Like, yeah, golly, that's so, how quagga muscles got everywhere. Right. Congratulations. Right. Yeah, thanks. And there but he is. I attribute it to being a guide, and I was fishing every day, so the trailer never got a chance to dry out. That's why I made sure that the trailer I have now is a C channel, and it. Um, I'm sure it'll have a little rust, surface rust, but it'll never rust through, which is great. So. That's cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, we all can't wait to see that. And then your target is when for, I mean, obviously there's a lot that it depends on, but when do you hope to have that um, shop done by? Well, with our HOA, you got to put up money and then <laughs> promise them you get it done in a certain amount of time. Nice. So I've got till the end of March and um, for me to get my money back. So oh. I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's done way before that because I want to get it you know be guiding hardcore by hopefully february march so nice we'll right hey right in time for the uh, lakes to come up like 30 feet and get ice cold and muddy dude and then uh terrible huh it'll be Prime good time. In april yeah i'm already looking forward to spring like <laughs> it's i'm beyond the beyond the good fishing really for the most part but, but other funny. than you, Dude, you and you and the rest of the hunters can stay off the water and uh nick yeah. and i will enjoy it that's cool yeah, we've man. been that's, stay that's, off the water that's one thing we have been doing is hunting a lot this fall so yeah we ended up shooting a nice buck uh what a week or so ago he tried to kill us when we went to go get him uh we dropped over a thousand feet in elevation to recover that deer it was pretty gnarly so that's crazy yeah, yeah, it sounds like the packouts, you guys uh, seem to have the most interesting packouts, uh, but that's why you get good animals because you're not not afraid to do that, right? Yeah, they're the poor man's sheep hunt. So like if you can imagine <laughs> like recovering a sheep in Alaska or a desert sheep down here in some of the gnarliest country, that's what the that's what these coos deer are in. And yeah, it's pretty crazy. So nice. Nice. Um well, that's cool. Well, I not, saw a couple of them on the road going into Roosevelt the other day. Did you? Yeah. What were they? Mule deer? Uh, I don't know, dude. They're deer. <laughs> deer. <laughs> They're deer. That's awesome. That's cool. Well, dude, I'm glad the hunt was good. Um, Nick, what uh, what's going on your way, dude? Well, I've been quiet listening to Rob as I've been hammering out an evite uh, for all of our listeners. The Angler's Happy Hour uh, Get Together Version 2 We'll be at Rob's Detached Garage nice. on uh, February 25th. Yeah. Um, we'll have barbecue and and a, a tap truck will show up with four different beers on tap. So February uh, we'll, 25th, we might have paint rollers and that type of stuff instead of everything else. So, well, didn't you say that uh, your your deposit goes non refundable if you don't have it finished by the end of March or the beginning of March? End of March. Okay. March 25th, guys. Sorry yeah. about that. 
<laughs> well, actually, they could show up and help you roll paint. That's so maybe my we should point. Keep it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> and if it's anything like the folks that came to the first one, I mean, that'd be like a bang up crew of like helpful, wonderful yes. humans, dude. They'd be yeah. done in no time. They did more work than us at the first one. <laughs> I had some guys ask me some some pretty cool dudes asked me the other day uh when was the next one and I was like oh yeah dude I don't think we we're gonna be able to pull it off this year we can barely even pull off a podcast but uh you know uh I've got high aspirations for next year and then I was thinking back and it's like dang has it, it's already been uh two years since we did that so that's was, insane how long ago yeah. that was yeah yeah it feels yeah. like it, just yesterday. it reminds me every time I punch in my my uh password we have 2019 in there because that's when we started. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's insane, huh? Like that's a long time ago. So that's the truth. Hey, and we've the accomplished like four podcasts yeah. in 2023. So. <laughs> yep, yep, that's cool. Well, hey, good Let thing is we've got a new year coming up, and uh, we can set some higher goals, right? Yeah. And like anyone who understands the content game, like we do, we realize that it's quality, <laughs> not con. con uh, yeah, you know what I mean, not quantity. So you just yeah. got to do like one every six months that's below average. And the algorithms love that. It just oh, puts yeah. you right at the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just as that heartbeat's about to stop, you just give it a little jolt. Man, <laughs> and uh... <laughs> Well, that's cool. Uh, Nick, you were actually on the water yesterday, dude. No, I shouldn't say actually, you've been out a, a fair amount lately and, and uh, different types of fishing too. He's been up, he's been up North. He's been camping. Um, now he's moved into bass bass mode um i don't know if the bass have realized that yet but what uh what's up your way dude oh man why do you gotta fishing shame me bro it's been so long since i've caught a fish on my own boat that uh actually you know what i think it was the last time we regularly did podcasts in 2019 was the last time i caught a fish on my on my boat so i'm living vicariously through that but uh yeah, man, I've actually have been fishing a little bit, and uh, it's it's been nice. It's hard not to go when the weather's been as nice. We finally have made it to the the beautiful time. And I was chuckling when you're saying, Rob, that uh, we don't have anything to look forward to as we age and just focus on the weather. I actually live with a professional uh, armchair meteorologist with my dad, and uh, <laughs> I'll go in there and hang out with him, and he'll like he watches. He hates the Weather Channel, but up until recently, that was his only option. And so he had to put up with the aspects of it that he doesn't like. And I'd come in and see him and he'd be, he could give me like a seven minute spiel on like a tropical depression out in the lower, you know, Indo-Pacific region that has affected the bars of atmosphere pressure 17% over the Pacific Northwest and left feeling like, okay, good to know. So <laughs> that's yeah, why the fish aren't You don't have to worry about anything, dude, really. <laughs> that's classic. So, yeah, so I think I see the writing on the wall of what lies ahead for my future. But, uh, yeah, I uh, I tried. I had a quest. I got to go camping a couple times in October and was really hoping I could catch something that was remarkable. I really like that part of Sholo, well, outside of Sholo, uh, Big Lake specifically. And a few times I saw it get really fishy and uh, it never lined up for me. But I also had my little aluminum boat full of kids that had gotten to the bottom of the bag of potato chips and had each other in headlocks right around that time. You know, trout fishing is something I don't know a whole lot about, but it's funny. You can see like the late afternoons where we're like, it would start to get pretty good. And hmm. we would, uh, we'd run out of enthusiasm right around the time that things were looking up. So I'm going to use them as my excuse for not catching trout. And then I'm going to use Josh as my excuse for not catching bass because 
even though he regularly feeds me texts with where the stuff is going on, I think I'm just at the point now where I need like GPS locations. And if that doesn't work, I'm just going to come take your boat, bro. Something's got to break. It's just a tough time of year. You know, I mean, I, I, I've got, I'm, I'm going to go dive into it a little bit here, but, uh, it's so timing oriented this time, this time of year. And it's, it's interesting that you even talk about the trout being like that a little bit, but right now the difference between having an epic day and a really slow day is not much at all. It's literally, you pop into an area at the right time and you don't even know it's coming and you knock their lights out or you don't. And, uh, you're at the dock saying, man, uh, you know, that was brutal. So, uh, it's, it's a tricky time of year. I really what do you like attribute it. that to? I mean, what what would be the main reason? You know, it, we've always got excuses, right? Um, you know, and we're not we're not into the middle of the winter bite yet, but we're kind of moving out of the fall bite. You know, we're kind of like right in between the water. You know, here in Arizona, it has been like 60, 62 to sixty four degrees for like weeks now. It's it's really kind of held held steady. And uh, I think the biggest, I'd say the biggest thing is the fish are getting really schooled up and they're moving a lot. And if you can if you can get into one of those schools when they're biting, you have a, a great time. But the fact that they are moving a lot and they are schooled up means your odds of running into random fish as the day goes on are a lot lower. Like you take the spring and even parts of the fall when the fish are just say up shallow and they're they're everywhere you can just drop your trolling motor to go down the bank and catch fish whereas like you know you get into this season and they're so grouped up you drop the trolling motor and go and go and go nothing 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 and then you, you fish 10 pockets that look the same in the 11th pocket it is going down you know or whatever whatever type of spot it is uh so i think that's a big thing a lot of them are moving deeper too like you know you have your x amount of fish that stay shallow all winter, no matter where you're at in the country, no matter where you're fishing. But I would say a huge percentage, you know, uh, I, I throw these percentages out, even though I have no real idea of what they are, but you know, I, 75% of the fish right now are, are wanting to move out deep and be offshore. So you're fishing, if you're fishing shallow, you're fishing for just less fish. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been out uh, a fair amount lately and, um, you know, we've had days where we catch as, you know, um, as few as a few. And then my last fishing trip um, was awesome. I was out the other day and, and we had like a decent day, caught caught some nice ones on jerk baits and um, a few on spoons. And then between like two and three thirty, we caught fish on every drop, nice ones on the spoon. Um, just, you know, the first truly like awesome, awesome uh day of the deep spoon bite that we've had this winter so hopefully that's getting ready to fire hopefully we didn't just get lucky and land on the one right spot but you know i think that's going to continue to be good um for at least a few more weeks are you finding those fish um idling on the big motor or are you having to get into areas and live scope them with the trolling motor or what are you what are you doing you know uh <clears throat> i usually and I will like, like when it gets going, I, I idle a lot and I did a lot that day and I didn't really run into anything that spot. It's funny. We had been catching a few there, not a ton. We had been catching a few, um, that were, you know, chasing bait down deep. 
So we just roll up and drop the trolling motor. And uh, I noticed on LiveScope, there were like a few fish that were really close to the bottom. They almost looked like rocks, but you could tell they were fish. And uh, it looked like literally like probably four or five fish. So we get over them and you catch one and about a hundred more come shooting off the bottom, trying to get the bait out of that fish's mouth as you're reeling it in. And we sat yeah. there and just caught fish after fish. And that died down a little bit. We went a hundred yards down the way, saw another group of like four or five on the bottom, dropped down and it ended up being another hundred plus fish sitting there and just caught them until we were supposed to go home at three and uh, we left them biting at three 30. I think, I think this people, that's a lesson learned, right? I think a lot of people in this electronics day and age where they just have to see the fish before they catch them in a lot of situations. Obviously, you saw a handful down there, but you didn't see the mega schools. Um, it's just a good tip that people need to uh, to feed off of because, I mean, how often does that happen where you just have a have history in an area? You roll up, you don't see anything, and yep. then you catch one, and they just come out of nowhere. I mean, are they so tight to the bottom you're not seeing them? Are they in the trees? Are they? Who knows? But once you get a bite and fire, get them to fire, that's when you really see what's what's there. Yeah, that's the truth. I mean, there's a lot to be said for that. There's times when you do have to just fish, whether that's, um, you know, sometimes those fish are, you find, you see it a lot in the offshore fishing situations where um, the fish are offshore, but they're not deep. You know, say like an offshore flat, and you see this a lot in like Texas, Oklahoma, um, you're 200, 300 yards off the bank, but you're on a flat and it's, it's like seven, eight, nine feet of water. It's really hard to idle. You can't idle over this fish. So you could try to side scan them, but a lot of times you just have to fish to find them. Right. And you drop the trolling motor and you fish. And, um, that still is a thing for sure. Another, we talked about the jerkbait fish we were catching. Um, you would throw, you would shine your live scope at the bank and, the fish were so tight to the bottom or so into the thick trees that you wouldn't see anything. And then you throw your jerk bait out there and they would just rise up out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden there's five fish on your bait, but you didn't see them until you cast. So um, you're still using it, you know, to, to, to know, okay, my bait's in front of a fish or not, or the, okay, they're, they're not eating it or they are eating it. I'm doing the right thing with my bait, but, but you didn't see those fish until you cast. That's funny. What I took from that was, uh, I don't think I've heard anyone say shine their live scope. It's hilarious. I use that it's, all the time. It's like shining a light, dude. It is. The it's dark. a flashlight and it expands yeah. as it gets further out. Right. Yep. It's that's a flashlight. A good, yep. That's hilarious. I like it. So did we like just get off on a weird tangent there? And we actually uh, talked about fishing crap. Yeah, that's crazy. We actually let me missed. have a turn talking. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> we actually did. We finished what Nick's up to, and we need to get on to what Josh is up yeah, to. Yeah, well, that's it, dude. I mean, that's really been it. Um, a lot of that, obviously, um, and part of the reason we didn't podcast last month was I was just too eaten up with uh, all the you know craziness going on in the tournament fishing world right now. Um, things are starting to settle down a little bit, but. Uh, and we stay out of we stay out of the uh, the drama here. There's way too much negativity, um, I, and I don't want to be like uh, I don't. You guys ever see the episode of The Office where Andy and Aaron are starting dating and they're keeping it a secret? They're like, <laughs> we don't want to talk about the drama. There's too much. Dra we don't want to let everyone know that we're in a relationship because of the drama going on. And they just kept talking about drama, drama, drama. 
no one else even knew what was going on. But uh, we are going to stay out of the drama and uh, focus on the lighter side of uh, of fishing because that's what we do and that's what fishing is all about. So um, just dealt with some of that stuff. And then uh, my new boat's coming in. I got another Nitro Z21 that just got to Bass Pro here and it's 90% oh. rigged. Oh, going to hook up with our buddy Blaine and add a few things. We're going to put a C-Clear harness in it, um, add one more graph. Uh, just do some some different stuff i'm finally like and this is terrible um you'd think that having four graphs on a boat is enough and it is i i can catch plenty of fish on a daily basis with four graphs i could do it with two but uh to compete with those dudes that are that i'm fishing against back east uh you need every little thing that you can get so i'm adding a fifth graph to my boat and another unit up front (laughs) (laughs) does your marshal hold that one uh yeah i do (laughs) Yeah, he's got pointed at you. I need an extra set of eyes so I can see all of them at once, dude. <laughs> but I'm going to have another uh, extra live scope with perspective mode going at all times. And uh, that's really going to be helpful on some of those shallow flat lakes like Santee Cooper, where, you know, it, that perspective mode is like an aerial bird's eye view looking down. And you could be sitting on a spot and it's it's going to really help point out stumps. Um, hard spots, stuff like that. And, you know, I run a perspective trans, uh, um, transducer mount on my boat now. So I could, I could switch from forward to perspective back and forth. But again, you, everyone, Ain't nobody is, got is, time for that. Yeah. You, you just, at times you don't want to have to pick between one, one or another. So anyways, we're doing that. We're doing a couple of things with the battery setup. I'm running, um, the tracker lithium batteries. And I think we're going to run a dedicated, uh, you know, last year with four units, I I had no issues running just one uh, cranking battery. I've got like a hundred amp starting battery back there, but um, adding the extra unit and uh, just all the draw of everything, I'm going to add another battery too. So I'm going to run a dedicated battery for my electronics and then have just one battery on my starting uh, to my starting and then, or to my motor so that way you just don't, never have to worry about, never worry about the drain there on your cranking battery. But so you're running five batteries in total? Five batteries. So I'm going to have to add just another one bank charger to the boat. Yeah. So it's add this, add that. It's a lot of crap. And uh, yeah, I know that some some listeners are rolling their eyes right now saying, man, you don't you need that, all that. And, and, and you don't. But um, yeah, when it comes down to, you know, if you look at, at tournaments come down to one fish. And, uh, you know, that's a $10,000 difference if it's the last check or, or maybe even winning a tournament, it's one fish. It's you, you make or miss the championship by one fish. So in that type of, when there's that much on the line, you got to have everything you can to try to help you get that extra fish every day. So that's, that's kind of, I've got next week fully, uh, devoted to, to getting the boat ready to go. You're running the tens up front still. Yeah, and I really, I like, I've always loved the tens. I got two twelves yeah. in the back, and um, it'll be three tens up front. And uh, yeah, especially you're running three, man. I mean, it's, yes. it's it saves on the amount of bulk. It's less chance that you're gonna smack a jig off of one of them. And um, yeah, they really, they're really crisp and clear. There is a, and assuming I can get this thing edited and put up today, um, and assuming anyone actually listens on the holiday, it's probably pretty doubtful. All three of you that hear this um, before tomorrow, Black Friday, Bass Pro Shops has a sale on um, the 106 SV 
same units that I'm running up front, uh, they're regularly priced at $2,300. Black Friday, $999. So, that's um, such a smoking deal. Like, that's I don't crazy, know how you don't. Dude. Yeah. 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 You got to buy them on Black Friday if you're going to run multiple graphs. Yeah. Not only are they doing that, but they're also giving away <laughs> a ton of gift cards to the first people that line up every day um, or on, on Black Friday in line. So, yeah. Where I'm going after better. this. Good. Nice. Yep. You got the nothing tent. better to do. That's where you need to be. <laughs> Yeah, Rob loves uh, crowds of people online. Yeah, people, people are so. my favorite. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll probably go just to gab and just to talk to all the other mm. people online. I, I shouldn't. I gotta. I can't say just say that because I like people, but I don't like big groups of people. We went yeah, to the World very... Series game. That was like that was really lots of people. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, what did you say it was like? You, you had a pretty good so, analogy. Yeah. I did, but it wasn't mine. It was my buddy Les. He said, because he's got season tickets. He went to every playoff game, every World Series game here. And he said it's like right. So you got to understand, you got Les, uh, our buddy Alex, and me. And Alex and I are pretty big guys. And Les has a three-seat Polaris Ranger, uh, North Star. So it's got the doors and the windows and everything. And Les said going to um, the baseball game is just like the three of us riding in the Ranger, but with 50,000 people. (laughs) He's right. Like you're stacked in there. And yeah. I don't know if I've ever been to like a fully sold out, like, and everyone in the seat sporting event. Like you go to a game and, and, you know, regular season game, it, it might be sold out or close, but not everyone's there. You get the season ticket holders that aren't there. People yeah. just don't make it to their seats, right? But uh, I don't know if I've ever been to one where every seat's taken like that. You got 50,000 people. It was so loud. And we went to the worst game. It was the <laughs> bullpen game where um, that was a D-backs did not fare very well. But it was. I'm glad we went. Um, and I'll probably never go again. It was uh, so much <laughs> more enjoyable to watch it from home. But it was cool to go see it. So. That's cool. It was a heck of a run. It was it was awesome to watch the Diamondbacks have so much success. Um, and uh, they're already retooling. They got a uh, a killer new third baseman uh, yesterday. His name's yeah. uh, I, I really didn't know much about him. Uh, they got Suarez. him from the Mariners. Yeah. We don't. Yeah, Suarez. We don't yeah. get to see the Mariners much. The D-backs don't play him all that often. And I honestly didn't know who he was. I looked back. I said, "Damn, this guy is uh, pretty legit." Looking at yeah, he's stats. a thirty home run guy a year, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, funny thing. Um, I sent a text to both Nick and Josh when we're sitting at the World Series game, what, two hours prior to the game? Yeah. <laughs> and Josh has to bust my balls and tell me, just like you, to get there two hours ahead of time. I'm like, yeah, and I've been <laughs> sitting here for an hour already. So, <laughs> but, uh, Yeah, Rob's that one guy other, watches his boat in the dark. Yeah, one other thing. We paid $120 for parking. Like that's that crazy. was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nuts. But, it's, it's, that's neat. That's an experience though. Nick, have you been to a playoff game in, in other sports or anything like that? Well, I got way back in the day when the Cardinals actually went to the Super Bowl in the Kurt Warner era. Um, we played the Eagles in the NFC championship game at home. And uh, my brother-in-law is a diehard Eagles fan and always had been. And so he was kind enough. We got tickets and we got good ones. Nice. And, uh, to when you were saying that, I was smiling to myself thinking that experience was crazy because a football stadium is like 
I'm going to say the wrong number, but it's like 95,000 seats or something, right? I mean, it's like the biggest of it's the three, lot, baseball, dude. basketball, football. And that whole thing was one. It was so loud that even during just like a regular, you know, second and, and seven midway through the second quarter, it was still so loud. We couldn't talk to each other hardly. Right. Seriously. I mean, it was. And then so that game came down to a game winning drive as time expired in the fourth quarter. And the place was just like crumbling with just noise and excitement. It was a lot of fun, man. It, I, it was the opposite of Rob's experience where it was 17 to one halfway through the third inning. We nice. had a game that was just back and forth. It was, it was a lot of fun. That's all. the roar of, of a crowd at a sporting event. Awesome. You know, sports are just awesome in general, right? And that not every game is great. And, uh, you know, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but when something like that happens, dude, and, and you see, um, like the video from a, a fan's perspective, it's awesome to, you know, because the crowd gets dead silent before, like as the play's unfolding. Uh-huh. And then after the play unfolds, it just erupts, right? Yes, they, I agree with you. That is that's why you that's why you go to a live game to experience that that eruption of joy. But yeah, it's uh, I'm pretty sure at these playoff games, uh, probably Cardinals also the same way as like you know how good we are at percentages. But I bet you 75 percent of the people there don't even know that baseball has nine innings. I mean, <laughs> or. <laughs> Three strikes and, that's and you're out. Seven or, too many sure. for them. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just, dude, the number of people that were justifying that they were there with their cell phone and doing like <laughs> talking oh. and posting and like, pretty sure that's why they were there. Yeah. That. That's like it is, you, it is. It's not like that in all fan bases, too. You know, like like right. Philadelphia. No, they, they're hardcore. They could all tell you about everything going yes. on, but I think that's it's it might be like a West Coast thing a little bit. You have a lot of transplants. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, not just Phoenix here, but you know, I think that's probably there's a lot more casual fans. Um, you know, and I mean, I could say I've been a a a Diamondbacks a, a pretty diehard Diamondbacks fan this whole time, but a lot of people jumped on the train uh this year when they had that success. Yeah. Nick, you're ready, yeah. bro. What? Yeah, well, two things there. For one, Rob just gave us the title of this episode. It's an eruption of joy because that's what it is every time we deliver our podcast. But I was going to say, so I got to go to a concert and then we'll wrap up this weird tangent on things that are only interesting to us. But uh, I went to uh, a Tool concert who's like my all-time favorite band and they had like an extraordinarily strict no phones policy. I saw two or three people get ejected for getting their phone out to take a video or anything. They had security like at the side of every row and the experience was actually fantastic. I, you know, cause I still get distracted and I don't even want to like turn the camera around and take a selfie and go live for four people. I just, I don't know. I guess I'm just a phone addict. I need to make sure that no one's emailed me anything in the middle of a concert. It was cool. Like I came away from, they let us record the final song <laughs> and the singer's like, all right, you know, he used bad language that I can't repeat, but he's like, all right, ridiculed us all you can take a video of this song and then he just ridiculed us for being addicted to our phones and made fun of us it's like it's true yeah that would be a cool experience to be at a, an event like that where no phones were allowed it'd be pretty wild yeah and there was like no like blue light right normally like we went yeah, to the cool. suns game last night and everyone's on their phone the entire <laughs> game it's like it was cool so it, it, that alone was an eruption of joy honestly 
Yeah. It yeah, was like a neat. small eruption, but it was still, you know, lava flowed. Being and in I the moment know, a little bit. Go ahead. It's overrated. I need to know, is the new boat, um, have you finally done a retro edition JB special? Are we Orlando Magic again? Or are oh, we still yeah, vanilla pretty. chocolate, black and white? So I'll tell you, you know, oh. that boat. Uh, yeah, Nick's talking about, I had one boat that was uh, like. It was a, like your first one, wasn't it? Sparkly black with a sparkly blue and it was actually really pretty but dude i've seen like way too many of them since then so now i can't really do that i've seen they copy josh yeah uh, it wasn't that it's just uh just whatever it's it's gotten more popular so yeah but i i I couldn't be more basic black and white black dude it's a good good arizona color dude yeah that's a good color to sell too because you're not Uh, don't don't support him on this rob you have to like I get I it. thought about it. I thought about it next uh but after the fact because when it's time to order, it's like you want to get that order in it right away as soon as possible. So it's so much easier just to be like, same, same. thing as last year, boom, yeah. done. Just one email. But uh then then I was the other day, I'm like, I'm literally gonna pull this boat out of the garage and the new one, you won't know the difference. Like it's literally gonna be the same hours apart when I pull this out and put the new one in and it's like, ah, man, it's a little boring, man. Maybe next year I'll do a different color. So Bro, maybe next a... year I'll let Nick pick the colors. No, 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 no. <laughs> Dude, you get a free P H R E E boat every year and you no, pick white and black. I know I'm kidding. I'm totally busting your chops on that, but you get a new boat every year. It's about time you use and dude, just get like a silver Sharpie. And autograph the seat, and that thing will sell so fast. Like it doesn't matter what color yeah. it is. You get like, like chartreuse color, and first light camo. This is the same color of my 1987 uh, such and such, and it was a really hot color back then. So we're gonna remake your boat in that color. Hey, oh. Everything retro comes back, bro. I'll probably be doing you really? a favor. Yeah, like right. beige and baby blue and stuff. Dude, yeah. how sweet would that be? <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's it's amazing watching the used boat market right now. It looks like it's a pretty tough sell on some of them. And some of the color choices that people make on a boat that they're trying to sell that's a year or two old is just mind-boggling to me. Like, simple colors are the way to Dude, go. Dude, no one cares what color it is. Everyone yes, wraps it with Bob's used cars the second they get it and then put their name on it. They don't care. It could be hot pink. No. I hear. I don't know anything I'm talking about. Rob actually does, so it's the first time ever I'm admitting that. But he might be right this time. Good for you. Well, uh, back jumping back (laughs) into the fishing. Where were we? There's no real way to do to really do it. It's not awkward. But let's jump back into the fishing thing. Um, And we're talking about November fishing, and it's funny. Like I was fishing with a guy the other day, and he told me he caught his biggest fish. of his life, his biggest bass in November. And I said, Hey man, that's funny. My biggest bass is in November as well. And, um, it made me think like, is November a sneaky big fish month or is that just a a complete coincidence? And uh, it probably is a coincidence, but I want you guys to think about it for a minute. Obviously here in Arizona and in the Southwest in general, it's when a lot of these, uh, the big swim bait fishing starts to pick up, right? Like they, they start, Sometimes some of the lakes start getting trout. So that's there's obviously a window for big fish there. But uh I don't know. And and there's parts of the country where you're already not fishing. Um <laughs> but like I talked to uh Jacob Wheeler the other day. He was in uh he was in he was fishing Lake Erie for a few days 
And he had like 28 to 29 pounds for his best five every day. And uh, he's like, dude, no, those are the same fish that are four pounders that you catch all summer and you have 22 pounds. But now they're just so fat because they put on the fall feed that they're all they're five and a half pounders now instead of four and a half pounders. So, uh, yeah, yeah maybe I, think like is, is, is November a sneaky big fish month? I think it happens all over the country, but I think it's more um highlighted in the north where those fish are having to go dormant so they're really feeding up same thing happens to our fish here in arizona um people from the north have a hard time believing that they go kind of dormant in the winter but they do to a certain degree so there's definitely a feed up here it's just probably not as drastic or noticeable and so you're catching i mean obviously those fish are going to be heavier yeah yeah it's it, it it truly is a fall feed up north, and I don't remember yeah. where uh, we were talking about this not too long ago too. Uh, but like, yeah, they they have to feed up because they are going to go dormant. Where it's like in the south, it's gonna they're gonna eat, you know, periodically through the winter time. It, I saw right. a chart the other day of how much a bass has to eat, and it would have been great if I would have screenshotted it and been able to actually give real data here to the listeners. But that's not my thing. I, I usually embellish just, it just to throw prove your stuff point out there. Yeah. But uh, it was amazing to see the metabolism on, on fish as the water, like just by water temperature. And it was like, it was by huge portion or amounts that it was like, it was doubling as the water got warmer, doubling, tripling, quadrupling how much they have to eat to keep their weight. And you think in the wintertime, like, yeah, it makes sense. Like those fish sometimes might go all day and not have a bite. It's crazy. Yeah, that's, I mean, as fishermen, we know that firsthand. I mean, as soon as it cools off, it gets it. tougher and tougher. And so that's, and there's reasons for that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I enjoy fishing in the cooler months. And it, I think throughout the whole winter, your opportunity at big fish is there. That's one of the reasons that you do fish in the wintertime. You know, and I, we're on the front edge of that now. People talk pre-spawn about being a great uh, big fish time of year, but yeah, November, December, January, dude, uh, you could go catch a 10 pounder without a doubt on any of our lakes out here, other than probably Bartlett or Pleasant, but, <laughs> but in general, uh, Western lakes, uh, Southern lakes, if your water's not frozen, um, you could go catch your biggest fish, your record, your record fish over these next couple of months. Yeah, look at look at Texas. What an example that place is for when it gets yeah. cold. That's when all the big fish are biting. Oh, Ivy, like yes. that's they live for this time of year. Yeah, that's that, uh, that spawned a question in my head for our resident biologist, the fourth host here, who is pretty shy and never talks. Um, so, do you think then, like, does the like the general ecosystem support them for putting the feed bag on? And by that, I mean, like, do you think that there's like an an ex like an increased population of shad or like bait fish for them to gorge themselves on to get ready for that? Like in the example, of like what Wheeler's saying, like, has there been that much food for them year round, and they just kind of been cruising until they get some kind of a instinct that says, "Hey, dummy, it's time to eat. It's getting cold." You know, it's like, it's interesting. I wonder if that is, cause you see it in other non-fish species too, right? Like a bear comes to mind, right? They just have to eat a bunch cause they're going to take a long ass nap. It's crazy, right? Like you wonder how those ecosystems know and support themselves. Do you know, like, does it seem like there's more bait fish late in the summer coming into the fall or is it just, they're just not lazy anymore and they eat more? I would have to say it's probably the, 
the ladder there, right? Like, I mean, they, but, but the ecosystem does support it under, under normal circumstances, right? I mean, the shad are going to spawn when they spawn. It's not like they, there's like continue a, a to or something right before uh, the fall feed, like they're going to spawn when they spawn. Um, and what's there is there. And maybe okay, that's that makes the sense. Time of year yeah. where they're, they're pretty accessible to those fish um, and whatever bait fish it might be like, you know, the great lakes, it's uh it's different. It's different food, right. but um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting question, dude. So they just um, stopped being lazy, I guess. Right. They're like, Oh damn, it's time to, you know, hustle. <laughs> I mean, in layman's terms, that'd be my guess. What do you think, Rob? Yeah. And I mean, the shad should be bigger at that time of year too. Right. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Whatever was spawned in the spring is going to be more mature, <clears throat> excuse me, in the fall. Um, obviously there's going to be always mature shad some, throughout it, the it, lake. Yeah. The but. shad grows slow, right? Like the shad grows slow. Like those fish, I, to me, the, the shad that did the spawning are going to be huge, yeah. but then the actual, you know, shad that were born this year's drop March, or I'm sorry, in like May, they're still pretty darn small, dude. Like you'll see a lot of fish chasing the small. So you, I think you see both, but like, uh, I, I think you've got both that are still alive and, uh, and, and you get, depending yeah. on what lake and where you, you see both. Cause, um, I, I've seen, I've seen a lot of fish keyed in on, on really small bait this time of year, or, you know, rewind a month. And uh, they're hard to catch. I saw it really in that hard, last yeah. team series in Texas. Yep. Yeah, just yep. those fish are blowing up all around the boat, and it's like you can't throw something small enough to match them. That's one of the hardest bass to catch, in my opinion, is a bass that's in oh. stripers too. Stripers, largemouth, yeah. all of them in general that are eating really small shad. Time, time for the floaty fly. Yeah, like earlier, um, was it early summer this year? The stripers at Pleasant were on the shad fry like you could barely see them you could just see Crazy. the little dimples on the surface where they were moving but they're like clear almost and they were the hardest stripers to catch because they were just up there slurping them you know and a bait any bait we threw was so foreign to them it was it was hard to trick them it is it's so frustrating and it, it, like typically yeah. you see fish blowing up it's like oh yeah get something in there and they're gonna bite <clears> it but <throat> that'll drive you crazy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we had, and I obviously that team series deal, I can't talk about the details until it airs, but uh, I had Edwin Evers and Marty Robinson on our team, and the three of us probably had 20 rods on our deck trying to catch these fish that were uh, <laughs> blowing up around us, dude. It was crazy. Um, yeah, to make you pull your hair out. Uh, okay, so we'll, we'll say it can be a big fish month. Not necessarily always, but it can be. Um yeah, that's fine. Um, you guys want to keep going? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh. Yep. Rob's gonna run off the uh, around the corner here. Um, bait of the week. One other thing I want to kind of start talking about is is a different, a new bait of the week, a bait that is uh, really applicable to this time of year. Maybe a new bait. Um, and one thing that has been really popular lately is that power switch from Berkeley. Have you seen that thing, Nick? No. Enlighten me. Yeah, it's it's kind of a forward-facing sonar bait, but it's it's you don't need to use it with forward-facing sonar. It is a shad or a minnow style bait that's got a jig head inside of it, but it doesn't have like a boot tail like a swim bait. Um, what's unique about it is its its tail actually has kind of a, almost like a a little flat, almost like 
if you take a paddle, like a boat paddle, you've gotten the thick paddle part of the bottom, but at the top where your handle is at, you've got just that little flat knob that you hold onto. Well, that, that bait's got a knob on the back of it and it's facing, it's sitting horizontally rather than vertical. So when that thing okay. falls, that, that tail swims down. And then when you rip it up, that tail swims up. So uh, uh-huh. it's real subtle action. Um, but the bait is designed to be a pretty versatile deal. Like it's got a lot of different sizes, um, you know, two and a half inch all the way to like five inch. And uh, what's neat about it when you're fishing it on, if you are using live scope for it is you can cast it out and, you know, sink it down to whatever the fish are at and you start popping it on slack line and it darts underwater like side <laughs> to side. So the idea is you're mo- you're giving it a lot of action uh, but horizontally. It's- um, uh, but not bringing changing it towards the, depth. the boat. Yeah, well, oh, not changing okay. them, but not coming to you. So uh, uh, I'm sorry, I should say it's got a lot of lateral motion, but okay. not a lot of motion. Would it be horizontal as you're pulling it into yourself or what, dude? Yeah, you are kind of, I guess it would be. We're going three-dimensional uh, here. So we're going to get yeah. laterals and verticals and horizontals. It's got, it's got a lot of lateral movement. So, so the whole idea there <laughs> is you can play the cat and mouse game with a fish without pulling the bait away. Um, and that's kind of a big focus right now with a lot of people learning how to use their electronics and stuff and look at fish is you, you see a fish out there 60 feet away and you cast to it and you work as you work your bait to, to make him bite, your bait just gets away from him. Well, this, uh-huh. this, this bait, you can work it and keep it in his face. So it's the power switch we're talking about, Rob. Okay. Um, it, it, it's pretty neat. It's, and it, it's, what, it's gotten pretty the, popular. Tell me what that was. Tell me what it is. It's that I posted a video of it uh, maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago, but it's that it's uh, the Berkeley soft. It's almost like a swim bait with a jig head in it without the the, the uh, boot tail. Gotcha. It's, okay. it's, it's, a, it's just a little minnow bait, but um, yes, yeah, it's getting pretty popular. What I love about it over baits with treble hooks, like, um, you know, you could throw a spoon in that situation. You could throw um, a jigging wrap or something like that. But the advantage this thing has is it's got the big single hook. So you're not going to lose nearly as many fish. Yeah, when yeah. fish eat it and you you stick them, you can swing on. They're going to come in the boat. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, you get a, a spoon or a jigging wrap, you lose a third of the fish that you hook on that thing. So, it's a pretty neat bait. If you if you get your get a chance, go go pick some up there in most tackle stores now, and and you can find them online too. What weights are they? What what are they? Are they dude? Without having them right in front of me, I, they make it either from a two or two and a half inch all the way to like a five, and that ranges mm-hmm. from like a quarter ounce all the way to like almost an ounce or maybe okay. even an ounce. I've been really liking that three inch. It's a, a three ace ounce. Um, seems to be what's a pretty you, good size. If I apologize if you've covered this already, but what's the idea? Is it to get it? <clears throat> the weight the heavier ones to get them in front of the fish as quick as you can if they're deeper and thing we're having all kinds of technical issues yeah uh, okay. are, what happened there I unplugged my mic and plugged it back in okay. uh, but yeah the the idea of it is it's heavy enough to get down to the fish but it's also light enough to where you can keep it in front of the fish as they're in the middle yeah. of the water column so you know if the fish is down there at 40 feet you might want to go to something a little heavier, like it, like a traditional spoon. But if if yeah. they're in twenty five or less, it gets down to them quick enough. But at the same point, you can pop that thing in the middle of the water column, and it's going to stay in the zone without sinking away from the fish. So it's kind of like a I would consider it in between as far as the sink rate goes. 
How long has this technique been like hot on the and secret on the pro tours? It's just getting more and more popular, right? Like it, yeah. uh, I would say honestly, only a year. Like okay. a dude, a year ago, no one knew about doing this stuff. Like, I mean, not not many, right? Um, it's really blown up this year. Do you agree? Is this, is this the new drop shot? I mean, no, I'm, definitely not. I'm, I'll be honest, dude. Like I am clueless on this technique. It's not something I've touched a whole lot. So yeah, it's, it's for when the fish are high in the water column and now fish will eat it when they're low and, and on the bottom, but um, it's definitely not the new drop shot. I don't think the drop yeah. shots getting phased out at all, but it's another alternative. And uh, you know, when those fish are up higher, especially the drop shot, just dude, you can swing a drop th shot through suspended fish and catch a few fish, but it's right. not, if they don't follow it to the don't want to follow it to the bottom and eat it, it's kind of it does just that due to pendulums through and it doesn't stay in that strike zone. So yeah. you're seeing companies like Berkeley making baits that stay in the strike zone um on these suspended fish, which I mean that's that's new. Like we never really had anything like that in the past. And I'm probably well, this is a guarantee that I'm speaking out of the wrong end here. How does it stay in the zone? Is it just like it's like has a buoyant well it wouldn't be buoyant because it's sinking no, it so it's, it, it's all in action dude it's all in action okay. and some of it's on the angler too like imagine that you're throwing a jerk bait or walking the dog with a topwater bait you uh -huh. need slack in your line for the bait yeah. to go sideways if you have no slack in your line it just tracks forward so with this it's designed to like walk the dog underwater in a more exaggerated motion but you have slack in your line and you're popping it popping that slack like a jerk uh -huh. bait or something like that, and the bait's darting side to side rather than forward. But it gotcha. also it also has the line tied to where it stays horizontal. So yeah, even, even when you are hanging it, because it's basically hanging a shad is what it's called, right? Kind of okay. isn't that yep. the technique? Yeah. So if you had something that hung, would it be vertical? <laughs> We it literally wouldn't... just tried to figure out the yeah, direction. Yeah, yeah. yeah but sorry. yeah, okay. So this one, no, you're right. It suspends where it looks natural, right? Versus like even when you are on its tail, even when you are pulling on it. That's right, uh, man. Right. That's right. Okay. Yep. Okay. It's right. it's it's a little different than like the truth. I don't know, dude. It's it, the hover strolling. There's a lot of different different ways that guys are doing this. There's guys that are using that core tackle nail style deal that goes into the bait. Um, there's guys that are using, uh, just a standard minnow, uh, uh, or a standard jig head, like a ball head with a minnow. And that works really well too. This is a different, just a little bit. It's a little bit different version of that. Um, and I think if, if the hookup ratio is good and the landing ratio, I think that a lot of guys are having trouble with some of the, some of their rigs and, and being able to hook fish up because of the way the heads are and whatnot. So it, uh, if Berkeley got one that you can have a good landing ratio it's they've probably hit a home run with it i've been so, pretty impressed with it you know fish yeah. of course will sometimes slash at a shad bait but once they're hooked they're hooked and yeah. um, i'm still throwing it on a spinning rod some of the bigger sizes you can throw on a bait cast um but like that three inch i'm throwing on a spinning rod and what's great too is like man you get the fish fired up you can catch 10 or 20 fish on one before it gets torn up like basically for that thing to be not usable the the weight on the inside is going to have to come through completely of the bait. And uh, you can catch a lot of fish on one bait. They come in three packs. And um, I mean, as long as you don't lose them, which you're fishing them suspended a lot of times, like you catch a lot of fish on one bait. Per bait. bait. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. 
but um all right that's enough fishing talk enough of that technical crap <laughs> yeah <Our laughs> i took a nap topic, wake me up nick sent sent this article to us the other day and it was unbelievable about the buffalo fish in apache lake and this this article that he sent like the headline was like you know the the oldest living uh freshwater fish are in our is in are in apache lake here in arizona mm-hmm. um now have you guys ever caught a buffalo before years and years ago i did yes did you have any one. idea how old that thing could have been and, and no. now do you, are you looking back saying dude i might have caught a hundred year old fish i possibly i I have to be honest. I didn't read Nick's article. Sorry, Nick. Oh, dude, you you missed. <laughs> How out. lame am I, Nick? Do you remember it well enough to summarize, dude? Like, can can you kind of explain to the listeners and, and Rob? Yeah, what help happened? me out a little yeah. bit, Nick. <laughs> I, the listeners would have read it instantly. I know my boys are paying attention. Rob, Rob's I, got I, you I called, got us muted, dude. Our group text is muted from Rob. So muted, yes. dude. I called Rob today because now that I've watched three episodes of Meat Eater, I'm going to become a hunter. And he literally told me, "Don't even bother," and then hung up. Dude, I've had this guy in a month and he's like, you'll suck at it. You'll spend a lot of money. Don't call me again. Now, anyways, um, the Buffalo fish article, no one fact checked this because it will ruin the, the, the validity of what I'm about to say. But if I remember correctly, they're actually a transplant from the Midwest. And so they're obviously they're non-native out here. And I think that the, the, the root population that's in that lake in Apache the majority of the bigger ones are still the actual fish that were brought here in the 19 teens. That's insane. Like 1915. They live over a hundred years and, uh, they, they did a study and had people out there using dough balls, I guess, and corn on a gold hook and, uh, caught them and sampled them. And sure enough, like they really are over a hundred years old. And it's funny one time, cause I've never, didn't Scooter have a picture of a huge buffalo on the brochure back in the day of the Arizona Fishing Guides? And yeah, we all dude. About I don't it. know if that was a grass <laughs> was a carp or a carp? buffalo, honestly. I, I don't think, think it was a, a... I think it was a carp, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that one that he had on the brochure was a carp. Now, he might have... And I it think ate he's a caught shaky a big buffalo. head or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Because... Um, the buffalo experience I have was a foul hook. And I remember my brother foul hooked it with his, like, five-weight fly rod. Yeah, I don't think they're overly, like... <laughs> carnivorous but maybe they are again i'm talking out of the bottom end not the top end like always but um dude he he hooked it in the tail and on a a wet noodle five weight and it was like a 75 minute long battle with a bluefin tuna and we wanted to see clearly it was like we knew it wasn't hooked right and what was it and uh we got this thing by the boat and it was the length of your arm i mean it was just a giant fish and it had this crazy eye. Like, it looked like the the black eight ball in a billiard set. It, damn thing is about the size of it. And you'd look at that, and it almost looked like an alien, like, robot probe. You're like, is this even a fish? So to know that it's over 100 years old kind of made sense. It just had this weird, like, other world. It has, like, no pupil. It's just like a black bottomless hole on the side. It, they're crazy little fish. Big fish. That's, that's but... a cool explanation, dude. It- I, I can see what you're saying there, dude. Yeah. It's a bizarre creature, but yeah, so that's crazy. And then to think that, you know, back in the good old days when we were just like transplanting non-native species everywhere because it was the thing to do. It's amazing to think that like those things are the the OGs, like a hundred years in a human lifetime is a long time. I guess it's all relative to your spectrum, but that's crazy. 
I'm going to say something here, dude, that might offend a bow fisherman or might offend somebody, but imagine being a bow fisherman and <laughs> shooting a buffalo with a bow and arrow thinking it's a carp or just knowing it's a buffalo and just shooting a hundred year old fish just for the hell of it. Bro, assholes. <laughs> I hope they're listening right now so we can call it to their ears. I watched their meat eater episode where he shot him with a bow and then he fried him. And I won't lie, it actually looks pretty delicious. It made me want to call Rob and ask for hunting advice, but then quickly regret calling him for hunting. Wait, advice. I'm sorry, but, dude. And and I was I was looking at another thing to talk about next, but did you say they shot buffalo or was that carp? Both. Because I think they're they did they, shoot. I, wow. <clears throat> They come from, well, again, I, they're more prevalent, I guess I should say, in the Midwest. I think it okay. was the Wisconsin episode where they did a surf and turf. He shot a, I think he shot a whitetail, and then they, they shot some carp with a bow and arrow, and then they had a fish fry. And it was a fantastic episode. <laughs> I love it. It comes from guys that have eaten coyotes. Uh, well, and those guys on the show are making fertilizer out of it, right? So are you saying that they use the, what, you, just what saying, are you saying with the coyotes? I'm just saying meat eater guys have eaten coyotes. Like I'm sure that carp was okay <laughs> compared to a coyote. <laughs> oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Valid. I, I gotta say, and it's cool. Like what those guys do with all the different animals, like they, they utilize all kinds of different animals in different ways to eat and stuff. But uh, like I follow most of, most of the, the people involved in meat eater. And I gotta say like a lot of that stuff they make, like they'll make a video on social media and stuff. It do, It's just like, Whoa, dude. I, yeah, I think I'll hold off on that one. Yeah. They make like calamari out of deer butts and stuff. <laughs> oh, you don't like that kind of stuff? Yeah, uh, what a prude, bro. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. Props to them. I don't know. It, I mean, I'm the one that's eating like processed garbage from the grocery store. So like they would say the same thing about me. But yeah, just, some of it just uh, some some looks good, but some doesn't look that appetizing. Speaking and it's, of it's that. so much work that goes into it. Speaking of that, the other night, uh, Boyd and his fiance Lexi invited Tracy and I over for dinner, and we were having a, um, he had a challenge, and it was elk loin, uh, antelope loin, and coos deer loin. Okay. And he cooked them, he marinated them all the same, cooked them all the same, and we had to decide what which ones we liked the best. Antelope actually won. Really? Yes, and the coos deer was second. The elk was third. That's but, dude. That's shocking. Elk was last. Yeah, but it was, all three of them were absolutely phenomenal. So that's neat. Yeah, that's what dude. Yeah, you know you've had a good year of hunting when you can actually do that challenge. I know it's pretty cool. <laughs> that's yep. crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. and hey, I mean, I'm the number one fanboy of meat eater, but the antelope episode is called Lobster of the Prairie, Rob. So I would have got that <laughs> right at trivia. I love it. <laughs> Dude, I would have I would have told you that from that's why I win all the trivia. You don't want to take me to your local watering holes Thursday night trivia because I'll dominate, yeah. dude. I've used this below average sized brain to fill it completely full of stuff that I'll never use. But I will tell you it's lobster of the prairie. Never ate it, but uh, it's lobster of the prairie. <laughs> nice i love it all right well uh to wrap this thing up where uh we've got trivia we couldn't remember you know it's only been two weeks but we couldn't remember who uh had the two last weeks yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I went ahead and took it i'm gonna ask the question and um while we're talking about you know old stuff we talked Ooh. about buffalo fish and i just looked up you know some of the oldest living fish in general um, and I'm not going to make you guys guess the oldest living fish because it'd be almost impossible. Nick would but, probably get it though. Sturgeon. Yeah, yeah. We're and we're even including saltwater here. But okay. um, the Greenland shark is the oh, I did. What's that. considered the oldest living 
fish in general. And I'm just going to have you guys try to guess the age until you can get closest to the age of, and I'm, I'm, I've looked at a couple articles. They're, they're both pretty similar here. Now, not, it, it's got a range of its potential age, but the oldest recorded lifespan is a certain amount of years of the Greenland shark. Um, just to give a little bit of insight on this thing, the Greenland shark is a deep water shark that's usually found in the Arctic or North Atlantic oceans. While it's usually measured between eight and 14 feet, the largest recorded was 24 feet. So it's pretty big. Oh, yep. Um, now what, how old do you guys think the oldest recorded one would be? That's the question. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys want to just shout it out or do you want to write it down or just get it in your head? Just get it in your head. No, no cheating. Yes. Who wants to go first? I will. How how old is this thing? I'm gonna say. So those are crazy looking dudes, man. Everyone needs to Google image search that because I just googled it to get the answer to your question because I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> no, I saw it like a National Geographic clickbait article one time of those. Those things look like they're a million years old it's like that thing's not alive again it's an alien robot probe from the deep yeah. to monitor us but uh i i think i'm gonna say 500 years okay wow How about you rob it's like the price is right rob you have to be closer but not over and this might not I'm even be the right answer you're just getting closest to the one that this article says so who the heck uh, knows dude i'm just gonna say 150 I, I have no idea nick knows what they look like and what they feed on yeah I mean, I because you need to google it nick has got you know useless he has a lot of useless information he's very <laughs> he hasn't caught a bass stuff. since he's he went to mexico 11 months ago yeah dude you're good at trivia, though. If we were doing trivia, I want Nick on my team, and you're going to win this one, Nick. So, uh, of course, he is. The, the oldest recorded Greenland shark is 400 years old, but nice. uh, yeah, it says that they believe that they can be up to 500 years old. They said the average lifespan is is 250 to 400 years. So, uh, pretty incredible, man. What a what an amazing animal. Those cold ocean environments are crazy, right? Because it's like it's extremely fertile. But then going back to what we were talking about 35 minutes ago, whenever that was, how, you know, fish just don't burn as much energy when it's cold, right? So they have this super fertile environment, and then they just swim around at 0 0.03 miles an hour for 400 years. They're not burning a lot of energy, right? It always True. blows my mind, too, when you watch, like, the deadliest catch, and it's just an absolute blizzard, terrible conditions, and they're dragging metal boxes on the bottom and who knows how deep a thousand feet deep and it just comes up crawling with life and it's like how the hell is their life down there i mean that literally looks like the bottom of a deep freeze like nothing's going on down there and yet it's just fertile so cold oceans are crazy man that's a it's a badass animal for sure yeah it's pretty interesting it's a good point man yeah it, and I, on the topic of old stuff besides rob um the the craziest thing so i read this weird book about trees and so the oldest living organism on planet earth is a cluster well one of because i can't remember which species it was but i know there's a cluster so you know aspen trees right the white aspen tree when you see an aspen tree it's actually the whole grove is sharing a root system maybe you knew that already but so that's the actual organism it's not just one tree it's the whole root ball hmm. but there's one in the i think it was in the pacific northwest that they they now have conclusively said it's 4,500 years old, but there's other ones that suggest it's over 12,000 years. 
dude, 12,000 years. That's significant. Uh, yeah, that's incredible. To still be like metabolizing nutrients and making excrement, which I guess is the definition of life. That's makes our little 75 trips around the sun here seem, you know, short. Yeah, no kidding. That's pretty wild. And to bring it back to bath, those poor guys only live, you know, (laughs) sucks to be bad years if they're lucky. You know, what's, uh, what's funny is uh, the other day I was fishing with our buddy Alex and it's November. Okay. And I drop him off on the dock. He's going to go get the truck and he looks down in the water and there's a bunch of bass fingerlings, like three inches. <laughs> and it's like, dude, how are they? How are they? How are there three inches in here right now? I saw, and I saw a dead, um, we were at Canyon the other day, last week, and I saw a dead like inch and a half or two inch or floating on the surface. And it's like, how's that here? Obviously that fish spawned in the summer or fall. Like he's just, terrible at being a bass. Well, it just proves that Arizona doesn't have like d- exact seasons. A traditional spawning window. N- maybe so, yeah. Yeah. It's just I mean, so hard to wrap your head around because I've never seen a fish spawning in the summer or fall. Not that I've looked that hard, but I've still been shallow enough that you think if it was very common, you'd be walking up the ramp one day and look in the water and see a bedfish or you know, yeah. cover uh-huh. cover bank, or you go to unsnag your bait. There's a bedfish. And I've I get never it. seen that, dude. I get it on these um power generated lakes where it's I mean, warm all year round or whatever. Well, it's n- not warm, it's cooler come summertime. Yeah. Like oh, you got 70 right, degree right. water in the river in August. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. That makes that's a great point, Rob. But Roosevelt doesn't have that. No, Roosevelt does not have that. That's what's crazy. Yeah, so that explains the canyon fish. That thing literally could have spawned in August. Yeah. Uh, it's just interesting, and it's not common, uh, not common at all, but very interesting. Uh, it's a head scratcher. Yeah, you know, and we just uh, got us t- talking about growth rates, and again, we need to get a biologist on the show at some point. But uh, like you could clearly see at Roosevelt right now, the fish that spawn. There are a million, a million six inch, six seven inch bass in Roosevelt right now, uh, maybe eight inch. Those are from this year. So they were born, say, April. So they're six months old. And uh, so they're going to be, you know, by the time April rolls around, they're going to be probably one plus pounders, right? But like, that's obvious that that was this year's spawn because there are a billion of them in the lake. It's just interesting to see. And we were talking about growth rates of like Saguaro and Canyon. And Alex was saying, I don't know if there had been a study or something, but he thought that they could grow two pounds in a year. And oh. uh, be up to three or four pounds in two years, which, dude, I believe. Like, yeah, I do too. Seeing the fish that we've got in those two lakes, I believe that. Which that's but the, that's an oddity compared to other lakes, but that's completely different environment on those lakes. With the, I mean, one is tilapia, right? Yeah. The amount of, I mean, they just have so much to eat in those lakes; it's unreal. So much but, cover, so much to so eat. Much cover, Stable yeah. water level. Uh, there's grass for them to hide in. Um, yeah. Even though it gets a massive amount of fishing pressure, it's still, it's just, it's literally, um, it's like it could a be a bass paradise, food. right? Uh-huh. It's a, yeah. And they're test tube babies. <laughs> I say <laughs> that all the time. It's pretty okay. Neat. One last random question. And maybe you don't know the answer and I'll just Google it. How long does a threadfin shad live? Like two or three years or something? Like an oh, old one? Oh man, you, you got to ask a tough question to make us look like idiots at the end of the podcast. I hey, don't well, I'll know. just Google it. Did you know I've, offhand? Because now you've made me wonder. No, I've seen. Uh, so yeah, and typically like a giant threadfin is like 
last season or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, and I would say too, like I'm just looking at going off of size yeah. of what I see. A couple times I've seen giant thread fin. Um, there was one year, you know, I don't know what caused this on how so many lived so long or got so big, but uh, there was a deal going on in like it was like May of 2020. I was seeing like four or five inch thread fin uh, <laughs> all over Roosevelt and the salt. And we were smoking big fish all around them, dude. Uh, yeah. But, and they were threadfin. They weren't gizzards. Those are the <laughs> biggest threadfin I've ever seen. And I don't know how or why they got so big, but that's an oddity, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's cool. It all works one way or the other, right? Like the whole life and ecosystem is just a jigsaw puzzle. And some of them are 500-year-old alien space waterships. And then other ones are, you know, two-year-old two inch fish but it all fits it's cool yeah it's it's yeah you're right you talk about a buffalo compared to yeah a there you go shad i just <laughs> yeah I, I i i looked at that article dude and i literally like it blew my mind this it's rare to get like an article that blows your mind and it blew my mind to know that there are hundred year old fish uh swimming around here in a lake that you've been fishing for your whole life and had no idea like i would have thought well, dude just guessing i would have thought you catch a 25 pound buffalo that that thing was 20 years old and it's uh-huh. on the, it's, it's gonna die soon but you know when you go like in alabama that just feels like the land before time like it looks like probably what it looked like in the jurassic period or something but you know you have old critters or you have like alligators and you have yeah. Like, uh, I think gar live like an exceptionally long amount of time and you'll see like a big gar roll. And I always kind of think that dude was probably swimming around during like world war one. Right. And he's just floating around in this river back then it was before the dam probably. And so he's seen some crazy stuff in his life, but I don't know why that stuff geeks me out, but it's just crazy. Cause it's like, I'm a 35 year old dude. It's like, I lived through a COVID pandemic. So I guess I'm a survivor, but you think of like all the stuff that that dude's lived through. It's like his house got this huge concrete thing built and then he has to put up with, you know what I mean? And it's oh, like, yeah. there he is just like rolling in a swamp. I guess the buffaloes are just like doing underwater cartwheels at the bottom of Apache Lake laughing because it's a stable environment year round or something. I don't know. Yeah. Weird random trip. I didn't need an edible for this episode. I promise. Um, we I don't can think Apache's there. been there a hundred years, has it? No, because the Roosevelt Dam actually was like one of the went on a, stu- a field trip this week with my daughter to the science center. So I learned all about the Roosevelt dam, but okay. it was built like the 19 teens, like 1913, I think the dam at um, mm-hmm. yeah, Roosevelt the, completion the Roosevelt. was probably 13, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause so I know they commemorated. They were, I mean, it was like 1900 when it started. Dude, the, the original dam building process. If you want to talk about cantaloupes made out of titanium, those were some tough hombres, dude, dangerous, crazy stuff. But yeah. so, yeah, so to answer your point, Roosevelt is barely so, 100 years yeah, old. Yeah, Apache and, was the the uh, dam at Apache was completed in 1927, actually. Dude. Okay. So okay. Almost 100 years old. And so there wow. you go. So if those fish were, so they must have been dropped in the salt. I will need to go back and read it and see. So maybe not quite a hundred, but dude, we're rounding up at this point. Yeah. 90 plus years. Is crazy. I can promise you that uh, we got to it first, but um, your boys at Mediator will talk about this on their pod on like one of their next upcoming podcasts. That's just too, too big of, and I've seen it get shared around a lot. And maybe it's because we live here in Arizona, but this will come up on their podcast for sure. That, that Buffalo fish. 
crazy. It makes you want to go crack open a bag of frozen corn and sit on the bank. I just takes me back to my childhood, man. I had all the Asian carp and koi named in my local residential pond. Dude, I could catch it with my eyes closed. I'm going to go catch me a hundred year old buffalo and it, break it, the skunk. In that article that, um, you know, was talking about the some of the older fish. Um, koi actually came up as well as a fish that lives a really, really long time. Koi actually. are crazy. They were actually okay. No one cares. I'll shut up. But they were pets, dude. They like planted them in rice farms, and they like had a symbiotic relationship with the farmers because they'd eat the bugs. Like they, that's like my little chihuahua, man. They're just friends. That's interesting. I mean, they're neat. It says they can live up to about 40 years. So that's a pretty yeah. long time for a fish. It's a lot longer than most. A chihuahua. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right on. Uh, it's been fun to catch back up with you guys. Um, happy Thanksgiving to you. We only have one well. trivia question. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's, right. um, I was hoping yeah. there was going to be like who a won? chance to redeem yourself. Hell no. Yeah. Like who won the last Red Crest? Like I'd have a chance to shot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, here's a trivia question how far was boyd's deer shot at there you go rob go it was i'm not gonna say six thousand eight hundred and forty two miles away he was in tibet (laughs) (laughs) well uh yeah great to catch up with you guys anything else before we uh wrap this up not really other than happy thanksgiving and uh, enjoy hanging out with your families all right everybody we'll see you again in exactly two weeks have a good one (laughs) 